Well, good morning. This morning, as Colleen said, um, is our last week of the series that we've been doing called The Art of Neighboring. And throughout this series, we've walked through the greatest commandment and what does it mean to talk seriously and love seriously? Um, What does it mean to really love the Lord our God with all of our heart, strength, mind, and soul and love our neighbors out of that love? And then last week, Mark challenged us to remember that our motives matter. When we're loving our neighbor, we need to do so with gentleness and respect and sincerity. So this morning, we have the fear factor. Now, did any of you, when you heard um, Chaz say the fear factor, think back to that old reality television show about where they like ate bugs and like sat in tubs of worms and things like that? Don't worry, we don't have any bugs. Um, But... We are gonna talk about the things that keep us from doing certain things. So when you think about fear, sometimes you think it's like a fear to do something, right? I just came off of moose, which was two and a half-ish days, um, with about 500 junior hires at Crossroads um, down in Woodbury, and one of the things that they do at the beginning of every service is they play these games. And so what happens is that there are people up around and then they put names on the screen and if your name is on the screen, you have to come up and you have to play the game. This is literally my biggest fear. Because when you walk up on that stage, the game is not gonna be fun. One of the games we played, um, the, the youth leader had to kneel down and the, their student got to put Cool Whip all over their face and then throw um, cheese puffs at their face in hopes to like stick as many on their face as possible. Um, Yeah, real life, that happened. The second game um, was that the youth pastor got to chew up um, food and blow into the student's face and the student had to guess um, what they were eating. Yeah. Guys, these are the things that you pay me to do. I did not go up, I did not volunteer any of our students to go up for any of those games because the real thing behind the scenes that you don't know is that there's a leaders meeting that happens where the youth pastor volunteers to do these things. So it's not quite like a name on the screen and that person doesn't know it, well, the student doesn't know what's happening, but the leader knows that it's gonna happen and the leader goes up there and we do it. So that's uh, what we're gonna do this morning. No. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. That's my biggest fear, I won't do it to you. But when we think of fear, we think of the things that keep us from doing certain things, right? Because the point of those games is to kind of be silly and fun, um, and they're constantly telling us as youth pastors um, to embarrass ourselves for our students. That it's fun for our students to see us be embarrassed, and if you ask my students, they would say that that is true. It is fun for them to see us embarrassed. So the idea is that we're doing something to show that it's okay to be a little silly, it's okay to be a little embarrassed, and it's okay to do things that are scary. So to this morning, as we talk about what keeps us from sharing our faith, what keeps us from really living into community, um, I want us to remember that fear is simply like the thing that keeps us from doing something. It doesn't have to hold on to our hearts in the way that sometimes it does and keep us from doing things. But don't worry, I won't ask you to embarrass yourself yet. Um, So let's pray as we um, open the scriptures this morning. 
Good and gracious God, we thank you for the chance to be together to worship you and to declare the truth um, in your um, scriptures and in your uh, interactions with us, God. We pray that you would open our hearts and our eyes um, to hear what you have for us this morning, Um, and may we hear from you uh, this morning. In your precious name we pray, amen. The story we have for us today in Luke 7 is pretty straightforward, right? A Pharisee named Simon invites Jesus to dinner. And um, before we get into the story, I want to talk a little bit about the customs of the day. So at the time that Jesus would have been invited to this house, what would have been customary is that as soon as a rabbi or a teacher would enter the house, um, a few things would happen from the host. The host would anoint their head with oil um, as a kind of an honoring thing for them. And then they would wash their feet um, and probably greet them with a kiss. It happens a lot in in the Bible. We don't talk about it a lot, that it happens um, a lot in the Bible that people greet each other with kisses. I think we think that's like a little bit weird. And so we don't talk about it a lot, but that would have been customary in their time. They would have given him a kiss, washed his feet because the roads are dirty and they had sandals, and they would have anointed his head all before the dinner even starts. So as we're... um, entering this store, we have to realize that the Pharisee invited Jesus to dinner, but did none of these things. Which is kind of weird, because in their time, it would have been, it would have been weird for none of those things to have happened. So Jesus, you know, isn't the kind of person that's going to like call that out right away. Um, he sits down, they start having dinner, and in that time, these types of dinner would have been in kind of an open courtyard area, and if the uh, rabbi or teacher was there, other people in the community could kind of wander in to listen, which again, a little weird for us to think about like you're having a dinner party, maybe you invite Pastor Mark to come over and like have a meal with your family and your whole neighborhood just kind of wanders in and out of your house to like hear what he's saying, right? That's like a little bit funny, um, but that's what would have been happening. So for the fact that this woman comes into the house wasn't actually that weird in their time. The reason the Pharisee thought that it was weird was because she was a certain woman. There, uh, in some of the other translations, it says a certain sinful woman came in to the house. And this woman was sinful, you could tell, first of all, because her hair was down, which again, seems a little odd, but in their time, one of the things that was kind of a, uh, a rule for women is that when they got married, they would put their hair up and keep their hair up at all times. So for you to have your hair down as a woman was sinful. It showed that you were not really, you know, a pure married woman. And so this woman comes in and her hair's already down. She kneels at Jesus' feet. She starts crying because she's so moved by being in Jesus' presence that she starts crying, which then washes his feet. She dries his feet with her hair. And then she takes this little um, bit of perfume that's been around her neck and she pours it on his feet to anoint his feet. And all the while that that is happening, the Pharisee is watching, Simon, the Pharisee, and he starts thinking to himself, well, if Jesus really knew who this was, he would not be letting this woman do this thing to him. Like, that's weird. This isn't okay. And Jesus responds in the most Jesus way possible. Because the Pharisee did not say it out loud. He didn't like call attention in front of the whole group. He said it to himself and Jesus answers his thoughts. 
A couple weeks ago, we read this story during our Bible study for the youth group, and I was like, can you guys just pay attention to the fact that it literally says in the text, Jesus answered his thoughts. This is how cool Jesus is. He answers his thoughts, and he says this uh, parable of the two people who are forgiven their debt, and he says to them, which one is forgiven? The one, or which one's more gracious or more um, thankful for their forgiveness? The one that had 500 silver coins or the one that had 50 silver coins? That's kind of a no-brainer, right? The one who had 500. When we owe a lot of money and it gets forgiven, that would be, I would be more thankful for that than a smaller. I'm still thankful for the smaller debt, but you'd be more thankful. So the Pharisee answers, you know, I assume the one with the bigger debt. And so Jesus doesn't even like tell him that he's correct. He goes straight to, do you see this woman? And again, the most Jesus question ever. Do you see her? I can just hear the inner monologue of the Pharisee going, of course I see her, Jesus. She walked into my house with her hair down. Like she came in here with all of my friends. I'm hosting you, you're a rabbi. She washed your feet with her tears. Of course I see her, like she's right there. But Jesus doesn't mean like, do your eyes literally see the light refracting off of her? Jesus is saying, do you see her? Do you see that even though she is clearly not welcome in this house, she has come in and she has worshiped me in a way that you didn't even do. She has done all of these things that are customary in our time because she wants to be in the community. But you have kept her at an arm's length and you're still probably going to keep her at an arm's length. Do you see her? And as I read this story, I can't help but wonder, do we see our neighbors? Do we see the people around us? Not literally do we see them as they're walking into their houses or wave to them as we are passing each other in the driveway, but do we see the things that are happening in their lives? Do we want to see them in our community? You see, Simon was thinking, as a Pharisee, that he was at the top of his game, right? He was a well-respected member of the community. He knew exactly what to do in the law. He knew exactly um, how to keep himself in a good and right relationship with God and with the people around him. He knew exactly what needed to be done in order to be spiritually at the top of his game. But this woman comes into his house and he can't see past her reputation. He can't see past her hair being down. He knows who she is in the community and he just can't get past it. And I wonder what his fear is in that moment. What is keeping him from loving this woman fully and seeing her the way that Jesus does. Because Jesus grew up in the same culture. Jesus knew all of the same laws. Jesus knew what to do to be right with God. But Jesus still sees this woman, interacts with this woman, treats her as a human. So what is the difference? Jesus doesn't have the same fear. So I think about the Pharisee and I think, what is he afraid of? Maybe he's afraid um, that if he is seen interacting with this woman, that his other Pharisee friends are not going to really like that. 
When we discussed this um, passage with our youth, I asked them if they remembered what a Pharisee was, and their response was, they're the super duper pastor people. So like you think of like a, like a pastor and they're like the super duper, which I don't actually know what a super duper pastor would look like, but they're the people that they just like know everything, right? And so you wonder, maybe he's just afraid of losing that super duper pastor, you know, title among his friends. Maybe he's afraid he's not going to do it right. Maybe he's afraid that loving her is gonna say more about him than it does about her. I don't know what the Pharisee was thinking or what his fear could be, but I do know that sometimes when we think about loving people the way Jesus would love them, we are afraid. I think about it in my life. As I came to this sermon this week, I was like, what is my fear? Right? So if we're going to talk about fear factor, I need to talk about fear. And beyond standing up in front of my students and letting them put Cool Whip on my face, like what are the things that I'm afraid of? What keeps me from sharing my faith with the people around me? Sometimes I'm afraid I'm going to do it wrong. Anyone feel that? Sometimes I'm afraid that if I tell them the story of Jesus and I don't get all the pieces right in that moment, that it's like done forever, right? I'm afraid that if that one time I share Jesus with them, I don't do it 100% right, they're not, gonna, like, they're not gonna get saved. That's a real fear that happens in my life. Sometimes I'm afraid that if they get a glimpse of my life, they're gonna be like, she doesn't know what she's doing. She doesn't have it all together. Her life's not perfect. Why would I follow Jesus if her life's not perfect? Sometimes I'm afraid of them. Sometimes I'm afraid to even start the conversation. Sometimes I'm afraid of being weird. Do you ever feel like sometimes when you're about to share your faith, it's going to get a little weird? Sometimes I'm afraid of being labeled. All of these lies of fear spin around in my head anytime I think about sharing my story with somebody who I don't know where they're at with the whole Jesus thing. Because as a youth pastor, one of the things that I've realized is the number one way to get someone to stop talking to you is to tell them you're a youth pastor. No joke. I get one of two responses. I get the like, oh, good for you. Mm -hmm. I do. Or I get a super awkward, oh, that's nice, as they like back away from me. Right? Because our world, sometimes people who are ready to share their faith, it's like a little bit weird. We kind of talked a little bit jokingly that we should name this series Don't Be Weird. But the truth of the matter is, um, I'm afraid that people are gonna see me a certain way if I tell them what I do with my life. I'm not ashamed of my life. I love being a youth pastor. It's a great joy to be able to stand here and to preach and to be with our students. What's weird is when other people have an idea of what that means about who I am as a person. That that means that I'm not gonna love them or that means that I'm not going to accept them. Or that means that they can't curse in front of me. That's a real thing. There are all of these reasons why people look at me as a youth pastor and think like, she's not that approachable anymore. Like she was really cool until she said that one thing and then we don't really like that anymore. That's what goes through my mind when people ask me what I do. Those are the things that are my constant fear lie in my head over and over and over again. But the thing is, 
When we let our fear take over and we let that lie take root in our heart, we're not telling people about Jesus. And if I believe the things that I say, if I stand here and I tell you that Jesus died for your sins, that he died for you to be able to have life abundantly, shouldn't I also stand for that outside of these doors? Shouldn't I also feel that love enough to be able to love others through my fear? Despite of my fear? I think sometimes we let this fear factor get so into our hearts that we don't fully live out the gospel. We don't fully show people the love of Christ. But if we really believe the things that we are singing this morning, as we sing this one thing remains, I asked Chaz like four times to sing that song this week. Um, And as we declare these things, that one thing remains, no matter what happens in our life, God remains. If we believe that, friends, we cannot let the fear keep us from showing that to the people around us. The Pharisee let that fear keep him from loving this woman. And the woman, even though she was probably super afraid to walk into that room and have that interaction with Jesus, she did it. She walked away knowing that she was loved and that she was cared for and that her sins were forgiven. And the thing is, is um, when we talked about this with our youth, I asked them, who do you identify with in this story? Who is the person that kind of like pulls at your heart? And you know, I'm a youth pastor and so I have an answer for them when I ask a question. But what they said to me is that sometimes I'm the Pharisee and sometimes I'm the woman. Sometimes I'm the person that lets my fear not show people the love of Jesus. And sometimes I'm the person who feels so unworthy that I can't come to the feet of Jesus and truly worship him. At all times, I am both people. And friends, we are both people. We are not the Pharisee, we are not the woman, we are at all times both people. We both are, we are at the same time unworthy of the love of Christ and we are at the same time thinking we are too worthy to show other people his love. And what we need to do is we need to kind of ground ourselves in the truth of Jesus in order to move forward. We need to ground ourselves in the truth so that the fear doesn't take over our hearts. The truth of the matter is that if I get on stage and I make a complete fool in front of all of my students, if I dance really weird or if I say the wrong thing or if I let them put something weird on my face, they are still gonna love me. If I don't do that, they are still gonna love me because we have a relationship and because we care for each other and we have a community. So whatever the thing is that our fear is keeping us from, we have to remember that relationship with Jesus will always override the fear. So here's what we can do in order to kind of get to the place where we can share with Jesus. We have to, first of all, start with prayer. It seems like a really obvious thing to say, and it's not kind of groundbreaking for me to say you have to start by praying, right? Because we are Christians and we like to pray. But the thing is, if we're really gonna love people out of our relationship with Jesus, we better have a relationship with Jesus. And the way that you have relationship with people is spend time with them. So we pray 
to have our time with God, to be able to root the truth into our hearts so that we can love out of that. Ask God for who in your life you need to see more clearly. Ask for the courage to push through the lies. And sometimes, friends, just sit in the truth and the knowledge that you are loved and created by the triune God. That the same God who made all of the different types of trees also created you. So first we pray, and second, you start small. Just ask and listen. Sharing your faith and sharing your story with people does not have to be a like sit down formal dinner where you lay out like first you were a sinner and then Jesus came. It doesn't have to be that complicated. You first start by simply asking a question about their life. And after you ask that question, you listen. So often we think about sharing our faith story means that we have to first share all the things. But what if we started by listening to their story? Finding out the things that they love, the things that they care about. If there's one thing that Jesus models really well, I mean, he models a lot of things, but he also models living into the other people's stories. He talks to them, he listens, he spends time with them. So first, we have to be able to ask questions and listen genuinely. Here are the things that are in their lives and start to think through as they're telling their story where God is already showing up in their lives because I promise you, even before you entered their lives, God was already in their life. So start to listen for the things that God has been doing in their lives that maybe at a later time, you can kind of point out like, that's really cool that God, God did that for you. One of the things we're gonna do this week at VBS is we're gonna help our kids to have these God sightings, help them figure out where God is moving in their lives. It's one of my favorite things about VBS. We have to be able to be listening to their stories and intentionally looking for where God has already been in their stories. And then three, simply let it grow. Show up in their lives. It's hard to be afraid of people when you are in their community. When you know them, when you've listened to their stories, you know their heart, you show up in their lives. One of the things that I love about this community of Roseville Covenant is that we extend care to one another so well. We love each other. As um, someone who's only been here a year, I feel seen and cared for in this community. So I know we know how to do it. How are you seeing the people in your lives and how are you meeting the needs that you are seeing in their lives? How are you showing up for those people that are around you? And I need to remind us that it's not necessarily always our physical neighbors. It might be your physical neighbors. It might be the person that literally lives on either side of you. But students, maybe it's the people that you spend every day in class with. Maybe it's the people on your sports teams, in your dance classes. Whatever the thing is that you spend your time, who are the people that you spend your time with? May we be followers of Christ who genuinely show his love to all those we encounter. And may we remember what he has done for us and given to us so that we may walk in love rather than in the fear of not measuring up. Don't let the fear factor keep you from sharing the love that has changed your life. Because when we let fear take over, we don't allow Jesus 
to shine through us. Would you pray with me? God, you know our hearts and our minds better than we do. And as we look forward to this week, as we look forward to be able to show your love to those around us, God, would you show us the fear that is holding our hearts? As we take part in communion, would you remind us what you've done for us and how we can move forward to care for others? In your holy and precious name we pray. Amen.